Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 108 of the F1 show for coverage of the Malaysian Grand Prix in Kuala Lumpur. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And it's uh, we had the off-season. We were just, oh, I can't wait till we get to the season. We can start seeing what the cars are. Then we hit Australia, and we say, oh, well, it's not really, you know, it's kind of a street circuit, kind of a park. And we can't wait till the, till the real racing starts, you know, in Malaysia. So now we finally had our Malaysian Grand Prix, and we still kind of need to wait <laughs> till we get a little bit farther in the season to see how things really stack up. Although the points everyone has earned last weekend and this weekend do count, of course, towards the championship. So uh, things are starting to stack up, but it's still a little bit topsy-turvy. Well, it's quite hazy indeed because we had threats of rain all weekend, yet it was dry um, in qualifying for sure. Mm-hmm. Practice had some had some rain. But... Practice was spotty, but there was definitely some dry time in practice. And then there was not really a single dry lap for the actual race itself. So uh, still, we cannot say who has the fastest car on a dry track that's actually a racetrack and not a, spe- uh, a street circuit, so on and so forth. So for pra- perhaps China will shed more la- light onto that. But in the meantime, the championship is uh, steaming on ahead if we're in an old train. And it's been very interesting to see, and and also a bit on the chaotic side. Um, But I guess in terms of news that happened before the race, the big thing was, for me, the continued controversy over Mercedes uh, DRS-enabled F-duct and the legality of it. You know, um, I'm in the mindset to say, yeah, I think Ross Braun came up with something clever and that it seems legal to me because the DRS flap is legal and this just happens to be a part of that. Other people are contending, no, this is a driver-operated F-duct and I thought F-ducts were illegal. Right, and what's what's interesting, I saw an article where it said Ross Braun is basically just fed up with the state of things because there's all these sort of halfway complaints or sort of people murmuring about it, but not any official... Like, I have lodged a, a complaint with the FIA, and we're going to investigate it and actually get a resolution. So it's sort of like, what he's basically saying, it's like, it's like complain or don't, guys. But this sort of, this <laughs> kind of like, oh, I can't believe Ross Brown is doing that. It's like, it's like just, if it's legal, it's legal, and then drop it. And if it's not legal, then, you know, if you don't think it's legal, make a complaint. It'll be found that it's not legal. But it's sort of just like, decide whether or not this is an issue so we can all move on. And right. certainly before a race weekend. So there's not this kind of, uh, you know, partway through, oh, well, maybe we should ban these cars or maybe we should, you know, oh, dock them some penalty or whatever. It's just like, you know, and I completely understand his sentiment of either this is a problem and we'll stop doing it. We'll do go back to, you know, you know, change around what we need to to, to fix it. Or it's not, and then shut up about it, because it's not a problem. Well, the other thing that I found interesting, because you mentioned on the last show how it, uh, basically how it worked, how it took air from the, rear, from the rear wing in that flap and kind of channeled it to the front of the car. But I still, it still seems to be a little bit of gray area in terms of exactly what that duct is doing and where that air is being channeled. Right, and we're, I don't, I'm not certainly enough of an aerodynamic expert to uh, you know, speak to it more in more detail than that without uh, making a fool out of myself, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but uh, so how it's actually being funneled and, and what, you know, exactly what the mechanics of it are, um, are just, you know, as well as we practically understand. Um, and there are, you know, for, for anyone interested in this side of things, I really have to recommend Scarb's F1, Craig Scarborough's blog. It's got really, really good technical analysis. And, you know, he gets photos from people all over the place and takes some photos himself that really get to the heart of here's how this particular part is designed and how that works and how that fits in with other ones and how it's different from the other cars and other and previous cars and so on. Um, so I would have to uh, do some research on Scarb's probably before I could uh, talk to it more in more depth. But uh, just for, for those that aren't familiar with it, um, the idea is that the 
uh, rear wing, which is completely within the rules and part of to improve passing and all that. That's the DRS system, drag reduction system. Um, the idea is, uh, you know, that wing is going to open up uh, in, on, uh, anytime you want during qualifying to, to maximize your pace. And then also uh, at a certain area on a racetrack, uh, when you're within a second of the car in front of you to help you get around that guy. And uh, what, what Mercedes has been able to do with this car, which apparently has been just built into the chassis since since day one. And in fact, may have been part of the reason that car missed the early preseason testing. And they did some testing with last year's car was because they were still kind of working out the intricacies of this, this F-Duck system. But... Um, is that when that rear wing opens completely within the rules, it also that that opens up a uh, a duct in the car, an air duct that has the effect of making the front wing less effective as well. So just kind of not probably not duplicate uh, quite uh, you know doubling the effect of the rear wing, but you know certainly adding to the overall efficiency of um, you know making less drag on the car, letting allowing it to go faster. And as we've talked about, that means a pretty good uh, pretty good benefit in qualifying. And certainly we saw that this weekend, and we'll talk about that in a second. Yes. But uh, in the race, it may not be that much of a difference because you only get to use DRS under those certain circumstances. And uh, already, you know, the, the DRS that's there seems pretty effective. And uh, I guess, as, as we can say, it didn't hasn't seemed to play out into any kind of amazing results for uh, for Mercedes yet. Yeah, it, it's been interesting to see. And we're, uh, I think... In terms of other news of the story, news between these two weekends, it was also just a pretty short week in between. So I'm ready to jump right into practicing qualifying and really qualifying, which, you know, again, Mercedes was very impressive in qualifying. And again, it was led by Michael Schumacher, um, who ended up putting the uh, Mercedes car in third. Yeah, and, as you mentioned, the, the out-of-retirement drivers, the drivers that came, uh, you know, went and came back, uh, really seemed to do well yes. in, uh, in qualifying this year, um, including, um, let, let's just uh, mention to the HRTs, qualifying for the race for the first time in 2012. Actually making it in, yes. So good for them, just barely. I mean, it was by three-tenths of a second, uh, Narain Karthikeyan well, was yes. the slowest time uh, compared but, with the 107% time. And, yeah, Narain was eight-tenths of a second off of Pedro De La Rosa this round. So, uh, you know... De La Rosa comfortably in, the HRT Cosworth comfortably able to make that Narain barely. <laughs> so yeah. we've got that uh, we've got that Narain uh factor we need to put in. It's it's you know it's I that's a noticeable difference between the two and it's consistent. It is. Um but yeah, so uh, Pedro De La Rosa uh handily out qualifying Narain Carthacan, uh Kimi Raikkonen jumping right back into pace, completely understanding what a blue flag is, and also <laughs> Getting up to speed. Uh, the other, I guess, this was a news uh, in between races story. Is they continue to work on Kimi Raikkonen's power steering. Mm. He was uh, having a bit of a truly moment where uh, he's, the power steering isn't giving him the feel he wants. Apparently, in uh, high level terms, he wants very precise steering, but also very light steering. So he doesn't want to have to. He wants it to tell him a lot, but he doesn't have to work hard. Which to me makes sense for Kimi Raikkonen. Um, but the thing that I always think is funny about that is, like, who doesn't want precise steering? Like, I can understand wanting different weights, but I don't know who wouldn't say, no, less precision, please. Turn up the dead spot, please. Right, exactly. So, anyway, yeah, maybe maybe and some you've, other you've drivers are prone too. to sneeze. Yeah. Well, in, in road cars as well. I mean, you've got oh, some work huge. In, in steering calibration, and, and usually there's the trade-offs of um, kind of how, you know, the feel or the feedback, which is almost always um, 
sort of opposed to a light feel, isn't it? I mean, having something that's really light, you can move it with one finger, yeah. uh, means you're not feeling anything with it because it's just so boosted. Is that is that right? Well, in some ways, it's, it's more complicated that with uh, now that almost all new cars coming out are electric power steering systems, mm-hmm. which means they're calibratable just like any other computer-based system is. So it's it's getting more complicated than that. So there's the calibration of what do you want the steering to feel like, and then there's still the physical hardware of you know how much play is there in the gear, in all the different bushings, how much friction there is in all the different bearings, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. there's there's two things. But I've never, ever driven a car and said, I want less on-center feel. And that's, you know, that's... The gets steering in, is just too precise. Right, exactly. So um, anyway, Kimi uh, seems to be happier with his power steering. That came out. But he is also performing very well. In terms of position, I mean, in terms of qualifying time, he was the fifth fastest guy. Um handily out qualifying Romain Grosjean who is seventh and again it was a it was like a six tenths gap six tenth delta and then uh you know like we mentioned Michael Schumacher uh, ahead of Nico Rosberg so um very very good performance for the OORs yes and I'll also mention uh, STR who was looking quite racy in Australia especially uh, Daniel Ricciardo in front of his home crowd um, for the first time, but uh, this time really not so good with Ricardo in 15th and uh, Jean-Éric Verne in the last, uh, you know, not making out of Q1 uh, in uh, in 17th spot. So that's a bit of a disappointment. Um, and also uh, Kobayashi in uh, 17th spot, making through to Q2, but then uh, not able to put a good lap together there. Yeah, that mid-pack's really interesting. If you look at the Q2 times, um, you know, so of all the people that did not get into Q3, um, the the best of those was Pastor Maldonado. He ended up 11th with a 37.58, so basically a 37.6. And the worst of the people was Kamui Kobayashi, 17th, with a 38 dead. So there's four tenths of a second between 11th and 17th. So it's a very tight field. So a good lap, breaking a little too wide, one mess up in one corner mm-hmm. can be the difference between squeaking into Q3 and barely, you know, being the bottom of Q2. Yeah. So it's a. It's, uh, it's a very tight area to be, so it's very easy to be, just like you say, looking really good one round and not quite as good as the next. Especially if you're somebody like, say, Felipe Massa, and you're just not, not terribly good. <laughs> well, that's, you that's end up a 12th. whole other story. You end up 12th. When, when, you know, teammate Alonso was able to at least get into Q3 and get ninth spot. Well, yes. So yes. Uh, at the sharp end, though, McLaren, again, uh, Lewis Hamilton on top and Jensen Button right behind him, and uh, both... You know, in the in the low 36s, uh, minute 36 second lap times, yes. um, and then Schumacher in third spot right behind him. So that yeah. was that. And there was not there was not another gap behind him. It was just three hundreds between um, uh, Jensen and Michael. So it, very close between the two. And then uh, Lewis had about a tenth and a half on uh, on Button. So about two tenths gap between Hamilton and Schumacher. And you know, reasonably tight. And once again, Mark Webber uh, outqualified Sebastian Vettel. He ended up in fourth. Uh, ahead of Kimi Raikkonen uh, behind Michael. And, yeah, so Vettel puts Vettel in sixth. Romain ended up in seventh. And Nico Rosberg could only manage eighth. Yeah, which is kind of uh, interesting seeing Schumacher up in third. Seems like Nico would be able to get a little bit better out of that car. Um, so we've talked about this in the past. So Bernie Ecclestone has, has had this idea of having sprinklers come on in a race. Oh, and, yes. Oh, wouldn't that just be great? And so, you know, that is obviously sort of screwball. But I guess the next best thing to that is having a race in late March in Malaysia at 
4 o'clock in the afternoon because you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to get some weather. Yes. And they did. So getting into the race, um, everyone was doing installation laps and all that, and it was dry. And then, you know, within minutes of the race start, it was just, oh, it's sprinkling. Oh, no, it's actually pretty seriously raining. And, uh, and it ended up being a, a, a proper wet start. Um, with uh, a couple of cars still on dry tires, I think, and then they had to kind of dash into the pits. Uh, a couple of guys, uh, all the top guys starting out intermediates and then eventually having to go to wets. But it was kind of a frantic situation. Um, Absolutely. I mean, if if Bernie Ecclestone had somehow control of the weather in Malaysia, and it's possibly worked something out with the government, and he does, um, this is what he would have done. I right. mean, you have rain right before the start of the race, and then it shuts off about an hour into it, so you have these you know, drying, changing conditions. He probably would have avoided the, like, red flag period. That that was maybe a little too much rain. Potentially. But, I'm, but all I'm saying is by putting a race, I mean, any, I guess any local, anyone, in, you know, that knows that area um, says that's like, it just, it rains at this time in the day. Like, this season, this is what it does. It's the rainy season. Right. Like, there's no getting around it. So, I, you know, it's, uh, of course, a couple of years ago, uh, we had the red flag rain delay, and then uh, it ended up getting too dark. And, you know, so they had to, you know, that was that half points, that whole deal in 2009. Uh, and that was that was kind of you know screwy for the fans, everyone who's who, you know, let alone the people watching on TV. But um, where you're watching and you're waiting for it to restart, and all of a sudden all the excitement is kind of like, oh well, it's, it's done now. Yeah, like that that was actually it. You know, you're just kind right. of waiting for this re- for this action. So it does start an hour earlier now than it used to, um, and and so you know the, the darkness wasn't a factor this time. But uh, yeah, so we we had nine laps of you know sort of medium screwball racing right of a lot of people having to start or having to pit in the first couple of laps um to change tires either from inters to full wets or from dries to wets or you know maybe a couple of people even going into it intermediates on there um but uh after it was just getting more and more intense and uh, and more and more intense and then everyone was on full wet tires for a few laps and then it was just like you know what safety car this is this is a bit crazy uh they did a couple laps behind the safety car and then just red flagged it um, yes and so then it was it was I think it was lap nine uh, when they actually was was red flagged and uh, it was they said about an hour it didn't seem quite that long but I guess we had the advantage of fast forwarding through right, our right. coverage um, but uh, yeah an hour stop in the middle there um, so it was not quite the uh, the you know four hours of Montreal like uh, like we had last year five hours of Montreal but um, we had um, uh, we did get back underway and then. You know, continued to have uh, sort of a, it was still raining quite a bit for a while, but then yeah, it started drying out, and uh, and then had a classic wet but drying race where everyone was looking at tire strategies and figuring everything out. But we did have one incident directly result in the red flag, which was uh, Pedro De La Rosa ended up getting a drive-through penalty because his crew could not get out of the way uh, in, the, in the right amount of time after they got going again, which I felt was kind of funny. It's one of those unfortunate. I mean, it's a rule because it's a safety issue, so it's important in that sense, but. It's also a little bit like a really come on, you're gonna kick these guys while they're down kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's like when uh Narain Karthikeyan, for example, gets a five grid spot penalty, which he has earned for a collision with Vettel this race. Um and it's like so he's gonna move from twenty fourth to twenty ninth? Uh how's that gonna work? You know, so, so like, is that true? I didn't know that. Car- that is, Karthikeyan's yeah. getting a penalty? That is true. Jensen Button accepted complete blame for the collision with Narain Karthikeyan that cost him a shot at Malaysian Grand Prix victory. Right. That is the opening paragraph of Autosport. However, Sebastian Vettel does not complain uh accept any uh, blame for his collision, his contact with the rain car that came, which caused that puncture and caused that confusion in uh, the end of the race with Vettel. Ah, 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 ah. I see. I see. But we've gotten ahead of ourselves. Um, the so 
another... Well, thank you for clarifying. Just a very, very, very disappointing weekend for Romain Grosjean. You'll remember last weekend, uh, you know, season opener, he's in the new team, he's all squared away at Lotus and goes about three laps and, and has to retire. Um, he made it four laps today, uh, but that's it. Um, I just spun off the track. It was wet, but everyone else was able to make it through. And uh, he was actually the only car retired during that whole, you know, hours of safety car and right. uh, and red flag and everything. And actually, there was for for what we saw today, there were very few cars out of the race. It was actually pretty remarkable. Uh, but big disappointment for for Grosjean because it just got off into the gravel trap and then it was just stuck. It was it was as simple as that. No crazy collision or into a wall or damage or anything. The car was completely fine, but stuck in gravel. Uh, so. In contrast to Kimi Raikkonen, who's getting more comfortable, he's figured out what the flags are. He's, you know, making his way, <laughs> right. making yes. his way up in the in the rankings. And uh, and Grosjean has had two, like, not even DNFs, but like, not, you know, did not complete five laps uh, races in a row. That's really a, a pretty a very bad start to the season. Yes. Um, and so that that put him out, and uh, that you know sucks for the for, sucks for the Lotus team for sure. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. It's so far, I mean, you can look at both these circumstances in isolation. You know, the the accident with I believe it was Massa in Australia was a racing incident. It was deemed a racing incident, and it you know maybe maybe it was a touch aggressive on Massa's side. You could probably argue it was a touch aggressive on uh, uh, Romain's side as well, but it it happens. And then this one, looking at it in isolation as well, it's pouring rain. There's a lot of things going on, and you beach the car. There's n- you, there's not much you can do about it. It happens, and except not to anyone else on track. Ex- right, and so <laughs> but but then you put the two together. It's the four new rounds. It's his first time back, and then on top of that, Kimi Raikkonen's had two strong finishes now. Uh, you know that's that's when the pressure starts getting starts getting in your head and those kind of things. So I feel bad for him. And Romaine is starting to look a little bit like a lion again. Yeah, like I can see that transformation happen, and we already know it's not a good look for him. So he should he should he should hit the razor. You know, get the trimmers <laughs> out and maybe work on that. Maybe that'll change his luck in China as well. Yes. Uh, so just after the uh, the red flag, though, we had disaster for Jensen Button. Um, he was running third, you know, uh, or second, started second and was able to, you know, through the little bit uh, tire switching in the beginning, um, that whole safety car period and everything, he was still second. And then just after that, um, ended up getting in a collision with, uh, it was one of the HRTs, wasn't it? No, that, well, yeah, it was Noreen Karthikeyan. That was that whole... That was, oh, the, the Button Karthikeyan. Right, yes. exactly. We've got so many, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Noreen was, and it Noreen wasn't, was all in it. Yeah, and it wasn't, it basically, uh, yeah, Jensen's car just kind of washed out an understeer the uh, right and mid-corner um, enough to just, you know, screw up his front wing. And more than anything, I guess it was probably the timing of the pit stop that just put him right at the back of the field, right after everyone had been bunched up. And then uh, just the way the pace was and uh, the rest of the car spreading out, um, you know, Button clawed his way back up a bunch of positions, but you know, from coming from you know twenty first up to uh, well, he clawed and then was. dug and clawed and dug, and he ended up fourteenth, I think it was, uh, and it's right in front of me. Yeah, he ended up fourteenth, but it was a rough day for him, and uh, yeah, that that was definitely a turning point, and uh, I feel I feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, it 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 was an unnecessary move on the HRT, so. That is what it is. His teammate, however, seemed to be faring much better, but just just such odd circumstances uh, kept him from you know being able to make steps up to the front again. 
Yeah, we had a slow pit stop for Hamilton. Uh, we're, we're, we had more than one. Yeah, it's true. We had the first one where I think the rear jackman couldn't get the car on the jack for whatever reason. Just mm-hmm. you know, the angle was weird or something, and uh, and it just slowed him down just a few seconds or you know, three four seconds. Uh, and then the second time they were pulling uh, tape off his brake ducts, and that just went right. a little bit slow. And it was just a couple little fumbly uh, moves from McLaren, which is not a team you expect to make those kind of errors. In general, um, no. And uh, and you know didn't lose much time, but it was enough to you know to take him from first where he was uh, throughout the whole beginning of the race uh, and into third spot. Well, this is a. I'm so glad you brought that because this is perfect for using uh, the Formula One website. Uh, Lewis Hamilton's uh, total pit time. Oh, it, it doesn't. It's not telling the story I thought it would. Uh, Twenty-four and a half seconds, which I thought was going to be a lot higher than everybody else, but it's not. It's. Uh, oh wait. Oh no no no. Oh hold on. No. I okay. I've now proven that I've never looked at this page before. Uh, so I take it back. So it it shows every one of pits. Every one. So his first pit stop. Lewis Hamilton's first pit stop was a total of twenty-four point two seconds which is, you know, more or less average. But then his second pet his second pit stop was 52 point oh no, 20 I'm sorry. <laughs> You've really cleared this up for us, Robert. Thank you for The this. second pit stop was 27.9 seconds long. So, you know, another another 4 another 4 seconds long. And then I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Where are you? Where are you? Okay, clearly we should look at this ahead of time. If I don't even know what you're looking at podcast. right now. If you go to formula1.com and you go to race results for a race, there's a pit stop summary. And uh, the the end of it is what I was trying to get at is Lewis Hamilton spent a total of uh, one minute and 18 and a half seconds in the pit stop. Fernando Alonso spent a total of one minute, 10 seconds in the pit stops. Uh, so, and, uh, uh, so, Perez was a minute 14. So of the of the top three, he was in the pits an extra eight seconds compared to Alonso, an extra four or five compared to Perez. That was the point I was trying to make. We got there eventually. We got there, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, I was it did the uh the results layout for pit stop summary is not laid out the way I would do it. Yes. So Fernando Alonso. Okay. Um, started ninth, as we talked about, qualified ninth, and uh, in the first corner, which there wasn't uh, much, like you know, quite so much jostling, but just a, you know, a lot of moving around p- of position. Um, but uh, was actually remarkably clean for what it was. Um, Alonso makes his way up to fifth spot, um, and then uh, does you know goes through the pit rotation, uh, and then throughout the whole red flag period and everything, he's he's fifth. But then um, after Hamilton's slow stop and then, uh, you know, Buttons uh, misstep with, uh, with, you know, the timing and the tires and all that, um, and I guess just getting in front of Vettel somehow, um, Alonso ends up in first place. Yes. And, and, and this is, you know, a first third into the race. Right. Like, this okay, is like whatever. lap 17. Yeah. It's raining, tires, there's going to be pit stops, this is going to sort itself out. Right, and as it gets drier, as the car—I mean, we all know this Ferrari sucks. It's we know it's ugly, and it's you know it was all he could do to qualify ninth. That's probably about where his position is, and then he just stayed in first. Yes, and then we went through uh, pit cycle rotation later on, and there was there was some question in the last third of the race of 
okay, we, you know, all everyone's intermediate tires are really wearing down. Uh, we need to pit, uh, but do we go to dries or do we go to wets? Because the track had pretty much dried out at this point, but there was a threat of rain that several teams up and down the pit lane were saying, oh, it rained in a couple of minutes and we'll have to see and wait and hold on. Um, but ended up making the right call and, you know, wouldn't you know it, Fernando Alonso in the F2012, ugliest Ferrari ever, yes. wins the Malaysian Grand Prix. Absolutely incredible. Brilliant drive on his part. Definitely a fair amount of luck. Yes. But once, once that luck came to fruition, he seized the opportunity. He ran with it. He drove brilliantly. He kept the car underneath him. Made the right call strategy-wise. There was nothing Lewis Hamilton could do. If you look at Everything we know, we can say, well, we think the McLaren's the best car right now. Well, Lewis was in third, mm -hmm. and he wasn't gaining on either Alonso or Perez, which we're going to talk about in a second, I'm sure. So it, in terms of pace, Alonso had the McLaren covered today Yeah, in race pace conditions. But just yep, had, it, uh, had it held down. Like we talked about, we've, we've seen you know, weird leaders as the pit stop, you know, pit stop cycle through some of the back markers or maybe some of the first guys to go into dry tires and every once in a while they'll set a fastest lap. You know, we had we saw Marcus Winkelhock leading at Spa one yes, time, you know, and yes. And you know, all these kind of just random things that cycle through. That's but like your favorite guy. It you, really you bring is. him up whenever you can. I You're really like, can. I know. We thought we thought Alonzo was Winkelhocking, but he was not. He was Alonzo. <laughs> yes, very much he, so. He almost pretty much vettled, but that's that's a different story. So it'd be very interesting to see, you know, last year uh, the Ferrari won and I believe I believe it was Britain last year in 2011, and it'll be very interesting to see if this is the one Ferrari win and Ferrari otherwise continues to struggle. But it does also kind of solidify uh, Alonso's contribution to the team, and it's a little. I mean, this whole comparison between Alonso and his teammate is just starting to get a little silly. It's still early on, but it, you know. Well, it, we talked about it in qualifying, right? Massa not getting out of Q2. And although the difference, you know, between ninth place and 12th place, it's, it's a difference, but it's not huge. Right. Not like it was first time around. But for the race result and points, which is really what matters, right. Alonso in first with 25 points and Massa in 16th, oh, sorry, 15th. 15th. Don't shortchange the guy. Yep. But with, with no points to show for it. And again, no points, same as, as last weekend. It's right. just, it's, yeah, that's, that's tough. You know, and even like Button, for example, had no points and finished 14th. But that was after qualifying on pole and after winning last weekend. So, you know, as far as just your contribution to the team and kind of where do you fit in and all that, uh, it just continues to look worse for Massa. Yeah, I mean, the, I think this is a really good way to think about it. So two races down now, Alonso's average finishing position is third in these two races. Mm -hmm. Massa's average finishing position is 16th. Ooh, 13 places low, lower you know, down. And that's compared, you know, to... Vettel v. Weber, six and a half versus fourth. Jensen versus Lewis, seven and a half versus third, and that includes Jensen's obvious issues. So uh, it's a it's a big, big, big number. Yeah. So, uh, but speaking of uh, Massa and his place in the team, and potentially who might fill the shoes of uh, you know fill, fill that that car in the future, uh, we have to talk about second place driver today, Sergio Checo Perez from I Mexico. I disagree with you. I don't think we have to talk about it or him at all. I f that guy. Okay, just because stole my ride. Just because he stole your race. I seat. could have been in Malaysia today, spraying champagne, and I would have passed Alonso. I wouldn't have run wide in the curbing and effed it all up. I would have kept cool, calm, and collected. I would have been triple C, and I would have won that thing. Well, that may be true. Thief. Um, 
as it broke down, uh, Perez uh, and his team were the first ones to stop and go to full wet tires. First, first, first ones to steal ride from Robin. Okay. Is that what you're saying? We, we need to move on from the fact I that this think, man stole your, your, your driver's seat. I think we should talk about Mark Weber fishing fourth. I don't think so at all. <laughs> I think that's very interesting. All right, uh, I'll Weber's, talk. So Weber's you just you, you go get a snack. I'll just tell tell the fans. I'm gonna go get some coke and ice cream while uh, you go talk about, about our boy Checo Perez. This is me walking away. Again, you've really illustrated that well for us. Thank you. <laughs> um, so so our boy Perez. Um, he your boy. My our boy. Yeah, man. I'm excited. We don't have an American driver in F1, but so Mexico is the next closest geographically. And like you know, you've met the guy and raced him and hung out with him and interviewed him and all that. I a mean, he's, of, he's a lot of, lot of thieves. In he's Mexico. more our boy than than most other uh, drivers, except maybe Vitaly Petrov because he's Russian. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So pits first to go to full wet tires, which just happened to be pits earliest in the race. Right. Yes. Very very just happens to be the right call. Uh, you know, other guys are you know a couple laps later are doing it, um, but. Uh, as it turned out in the strategy, you know, right at the beginning of the race, I think it was like lap two, um, when he, he goes to pit, and then every, you know, everyone is still bunched up. So, uh, you know, he, he's actually classified as 23rd for, for, for one lap of the race. Um, but then everyone else has to come in and pit, and by that point, you know, he's back up to speed. He's got, you know, get his tires figured out. He's under control. And then by the time the, uh, the whole safety car and red flag period, um, Perez is in third. Yeah. And then they've got a restart, and um, and... And actually, you know, just, you know, holds on to it. I, I mean, he uh, he actually leads the race for a moment when uh, when Hamilton does a pit stop, um, but then comes out in front of... Uh, well, both, for, both Fernando and Hamilton come in. Yeah. And that's when Hamilton has his first of two long pit stops. Right. Fernando gets out ahead of Alonso, and in that time, Perez goes in, and I think Perez goes in like a lap or two later for his own change. Right. So... Um, so for a brief moment, Sergio Perez led the race, uh, but then, yeah, Fernando Alonso, uh, then when Perez pit, uh, Fernando Alonso did, but uh, uh, took over the lead. But, uh, yeah, but with Hamilton's slow stop, that basically just meant uh, Perez could keep in second spot, and and he did. And then even cycling through uh, pit stops and continue, continuing on to the end, that was one we were sure was going to be a Winkelhock moment. We're like, oh, Sergio Perez, that's cool, he's in second, but that's not going to last long. Right. And it did. I mean, the dude held it down, and... Uh, and, and ended up actually again as the as stop cycle through leading the race again. And as we talked about with with uh, just a few laps to go in uh, in the in the near the end of the end of the race, um, was you know was actually you know closing up the gap pretty well on Fernando Alonso. Um, did run wide and then you know kind of messed up his effort. But he but he was still far enough in front of Hamilton. I mean, yeah, and so that the it, fact he that he stayed in second place and finished second. Well, comfortably ahead of Hamilton, and the right. fact that he almost passed Alonso and didn't quite make it stick. Okay, that's an unfortunate, but considering just the pace that Perez had and maintained against the Ferrari, and much more importantly, in my mind, the McLaren, mm-hmm. being able to cover Hamilton comfortably was very impressive to me, and I, I, I'm incredibly curious in how that worked out, because, you know, again, at the same time, Kobayashi struggled a lot and ended up uh, getting out of the race early with braking issues. And so Kobayashi didn't score well at all. He ended up being 22nd, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 23rd in the standings because of his uh, brake troubles. So uh, we don't know we don't know how he'd compare necessarily to Perez. But you know Perez was not only was he maintaining such a great position, he had the third fastest lap of the race. Yep. Uh, he was strong the entire time. His pit stops were strong. 
it, it was a, a very impressive drive. So we weren't quite getting to the lap speeds that we might have seen in full dry conditions um, on low tanks, on low levels of fuel. It's a little bit hard to say. Right. Uh, but I, what's really hard for me to get my head around is how much is this representative of the pace of the Sauber versus you know how much of it was just Perez was in the zone and really able to you know maximize the way the other drivers couldn't and it is extremely striking because literally this weekend was when the rumor mills started stirring up about uh Perez being one of the top picks to replace Massa in the team right even though this is all rumor officially Ferrari still supports Massa you know, well, they have a contract, but we've seen when a team we wants to not have means. a contract, right. they can spend some money to someone, and they all of a sudden don't have a contract. Right. Or truly, yeah, right, exactly. So, Kimi Raikkonen, you know, get yeah, I'll, oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Massa's place in the team versus Sergio's uh, future place in the team versus the just extremely impressive drive. And you know what's really funny about this is uh, we saw something similar. With uh, Giancarlo Fisichella in Spa a couple years ago, yep, he when was he was at Force, Force India, India and ended up uh, finishing second and doing very, very well. And then, no, 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 me going to Ferrari, there's no, no, that's not going to happen. Blah blah blah. Next race, he was in Ferrari. Right? Is is Sergio? That, Perez, that was a different situation different because situation. that was when Massa was out with his injury, and right. they had their test driver. I think they had Luca Bedor in the car. Yeah. for you know for a while. So that was certainly a different than having right. a driver with a contract and and so on. So is Sergio Perez going to be in a Ferrari next uh, in China? No, I don't think so. But it is kind of one of those telling, interesting weekends that just kind of has its own funny irony to it. Well, I do want to mention uh, that as. Uh, Perez was closing up on Hamilton, and this was once they're all into dry tires at this point, and the, the track was still, you know, drying out. There's dry lines, certainly, but still not complete, uh, not completely dry. Um, the uh, there was a call to uh, to Sergio on the on the, uh, on the radio where he says, oh, you know, his engineer says, Checo, be careful, we need this position, you know, and and, and then um, and then it was not long after that when he actually ran wide and uh, and you know couldn't quite continue taking the fight to Alonso, which of course must be a conspiracy. Um, because there's already articles about talking about that. So the, the, the thinking being, we need this position, meaning we need to come second. We can't come in front of Ferrari, um, possibly because, uh, you know, Sauber does buy Ferrari engines and Ferrari with being just the media and style and culture, you know, an F1 juggernaut that it is, you know, having them having a win is a much bigger deal than Sauber having a win. Cause who outside of F1 has ever heard of Sauber and, right. you know, having Ferrari's power, you know, be behind it, whatever. Or it could be because, uh, like we just said, of, of uh, Sergio Perez's move towards Ferrari that he doesn't want to embarrass them and somehow win. I don't think it was any of that. I think, it, you know, just looking at it, um, it's just a reminder to the driver who, of course, is in the zone and, you know, smells blood or whatever, has that, uh, has that mindset going of, like, I can get this guy and I'm getting closer, just not to do something stupid and end up taking himself out of the race because, you know, a second place for Sauber obviously is huge um, and a much bigger deal than a second place for Ferrari. Yeah. And... Uh, and just to, to hold on to it, basically. So, Although it's, it's funny, in these circumstances, it's almost not. I mean, this win for Ferrari was huge for them, just considering their circumstances and how uh, they've been, they've been uh, portrayed in the media thus far, so far this year, as kind of just being kind of almost the last stock of Formula 1 this year because they're supposed to be one of the front runners, and their car just seems to get worse every year. And Ferraris are supposed to be beautiful. 
And <laughs> they're supposed to be beautiful, yes. Yeah. So it's so anyway, Peter Sauber says, oh, no, it was because we needed the result, not the position. So it's not that they need to have second place. It's like, we need as many points as we can get. And yeah. if you have something up, then we're not going to get any points or we're going to get fewer. So Because all of their rivals were also in the points. I mean, we haven't talked much about uh, the rest of that midfield. But um, with... Uh, like we mentioned, the, the trouble for Button that, that takes you know him out of the running, um, and a couple of the other you know with with uh, Roman Grosjean out early on in the race, there's only one Lotus. So um, as they pointed out on speed, then in the top ten uh, finishers were nine different cars, which nine different constructors, yeah. Right. Which was the one interesting thing that Speed said all race. By the way, those guys were not on top of their game for this weekend. Right. So just to wrap up real quick, the. Um, Checo Perez, man, it's it's our boy, Mexico, uh, Mexican-born uh, driver. I know he stole your race seat. I'm I'm a big fan, and I think it'd be great to see him go to Ferrari. Um, and what was interesting is is when I, I you know was looking on Facebook earlier in the day before I'd watched the race, uh, one of my friends who's not really into F1 at all, um, but she's she's in Mexico. She's in, uh, you know she's just a friend of mine on Facebook, and. Uh, you know, I posted something about, oh, it's so great to, you know, see the Mexican flag, at the, you know, on the podium and just how proud are we and all that. So it's something that is really, um, you know, it's sort of... There's trans- no hiding anymore, is right. there? Right, but it's, it's, it's sort of just transcended just people that care about F1 who are going to be like, oh, yeah, cool, it's a different guy. But, you know, for, for Mexico, where they haven't had, uh, you know, they're certainly into motorsport. I mean, as a culture and, and seeing, you know, just the, the various racing series they have had and, and there are a fair number of racetracks in Mexico and so on. And uh, I've been involved in some various driving schools and things there, so I'm kind of connected to that a little bit. But, um, you know, since, was it Pedro Rodriguez in, like, 1971 or something was the last Mexican driver on a podium. So it's just a huge deal, and which would be a huge deal for us, you know, uh, know, for or for most Americans in motorsport. If, oh, all of a sudden there's this, you know, American on the the grandstand uh, or on the podium. Yeah, I mean, we mostly still have to look back to, I think, Dan Gurney for, like, any real... Formula One success, right? Um, so you know, and that would that would make um, you know the evening news in a way that other Formula One results don't. So I think that has been already a, a big deal for uh, for Sauber being heavily sponsored by Telmex and that money coming in through Sergio Perez, and then looking right. at you know the potential of a Mexican Grand Prix and blah blah blah. But especially, yeah, we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but uh, I think you know Checo Perez could fit in well at uh, at Ferrari and be kind of a cool part of that team, and then. Um, if that can mean more, you know, more races, you know, a race in Mexico, that's more on our time zone. That's all part of this whole deal. And uh, I, I just, it's it's cool and I think it's fun. So really good, well done. Yes. Uh, well done, Checo. And uh, we can talk about the rest of the guys now. And I repeat, this is Jim's opinion, thief. So, uh, Sebastian Vettel, Ed, you mentioned it a little earlier. He he was running fourth, which is great for me because I had predicted Vettel to win. Mm-hmm. And fourth isn't winning, certainly, but it was solid. It's not too far off. Not too far off at all. Then, uh, Narain Karthkayan had to come in and collide with the guy, like you mentioned, and uh, ended up forcing a, a pit stop uh, for a tire change. And also, it was very nearly uh, a car retirement. They It was a lap 55 out of 56, and all of a sudden they were getting on Vettel's radio saying, okay, we're going to we're going to retire the car, we're going to retire the car. And they're like, no, wait, don't retire the car. And then they're like, no, wait, stop immediately. But then at the end of the day, he still ended up finishing 11th. Thank God, because my predictions would have been screwed. 
if uh, if they if he had to retire the car and end up in twentieth or something. Right. So they lost uh, Vettel's team lost communication. I guess they could hear uh, he could hear them, but uh, but he couldn't respond. So that would just especially when the when conditions are weird with tires and you know and, and just the weather changing and everything going back and forth. It's one of the worst times to lose radio communication. So he said, "Oh, it was very difficult to, to figure that out." And uh, and then basically, you know. It was crucial to come in at the right time, and having no radio meant they were very delayed in getting messages and didn't hear anything from the team. So, um, you know, he said, so I guess apparently he didn't even hear the call, to, which, which we heard on the broadcast, saying, okay, you know, pit this lap, you know, or it was the last lap, but, you know, it's like, pit, 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 you know, get in, get in, get in, get in, you have to. Right. And then like a minute later, no, wait, stay out. And then another, you know, 15 seconds after that, no, no, just, no, actually stop right now, urgently, emergency. Right, right. Apparently he didn't hear any of that. Um <laughs> Because he said, he's like, I didn't hear anything from the team at the end. You know, they said there were problems with the car after the incident, but I wanted to see the checkered flag. So no points. And, uh, you know, the way the race had unfolded was good until that, but it's frustrating to lose like he did. And uh, I think that that pretty well says it. Um, yeah. And, and Vettel's loss was Weber's gain. He ended up uh, finishing fourth in the race and getting some solid points as a result. And that, uh, you know, helps him, you know, move up. Uh, in the championship and keep that stuff alive. You know, Mark Webber is now, uh, he has 24 points, which puts him fourth in the Drivers' World Championship after two rounds. So that is, you know, a reasonable start that would have been better, uh, would not have been as good had Vettel still been ahead of him. Vettel is now sixth, sixth in the Drivers' World Championship with only... Vettel uh, behind Sergio Perez in the Drivers' Championship. Yes, with only 18 let's just, points. Let's just reflect on that for yeah, a second. So, uh, uh, definitely interesting. Very unfortunate. So uh, my new beef, I am officially uh, forgiving Sergio Perez, and my new beef with is with Narain Karthikeyan <laughs> for knocking Vettel out and screwing up my predictions this round. Yeah, which you'll be fine with him when he knocks him, whoever, I, whoever I predict out of the race or whoever the statistical model. That would be one of the few ways to make it up to me. Right on. Well, he's, he's, so far he's on a good track because one <laughs> out of one races, he has affected the outcome of both Jensen Button <laughs> and Sebastian Vettel. Very true. I feel like he can Very continue true. that Solid my boy, just in general. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about um, Williams? You know, we've got a uh, we've got a young Mister Bruno Senna finishing sixth. Yeah, again, helped out by some of the attrition up top because uh, you know we had that late race. Uh, you know, Vettel uh, dropped down, and of course Jensen earlier on. So you know, it's I think a little higher than it than it would have been. I mean, probably two places higher than it would have been. Yes. But, yeah, finished sixth and was able to keep it on the track and score points and so on. Unlike his teammate, Maldonado, who finished 19th, and it was, again, pretty much on the very last, next to last lap that this happened. However, this time it was not his fault. The engine basically went kaplooey. Yeah, which we haven't seen, you know, we don't see engine failures nearly like we used to with this engine freeze that we've had for several years now. Very true. It used to be a pretty regular occurrence that somebody's somebody's lump would, would blow up uh, at some point in, in any given race. And uh haven't seen that in a while, but yeah, it was a proper, you know, smoke coming out, kind of oil smoke and all that. And then it just got worse and worse and sort of sort of bits of metal coming out and then um, ended up parking it. So yeah, two laps to, from the end. Um, that, that's got to be a disappointment uh, when you're, you know, actually running okay, but uh yeah, uh, so that's part of how we only have you know one teammate from every team in the top ten, um, with the exception of Force India of all uh, of all teams. Um, now is that right? I don't. Let's uh, see if that is right, sir. It doesn't look like it because Schumacher well, Nico is the tenth. Hul- Nico Hulkenberg finished oh, yeah, 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 ninth, is. and the rest have finished seventh. seventh. Yep, so right. yes, it's the two Force Indias. I, I, I Solid points myself. for them. 
and uh, I think a good show for them. That I think that I think that car looks pretty solid. You know, uh, Hulkenberg was uh, looked quite quick in it in Australia, and they're still doing solid today. It seems like Deresta has kind of regained his footing as well. You know, at Force India as far as points are concerned, they've earned um, they've earned nine points, and they are sixth in the constructors' championship ahead of Mercedes and uh, um, a few other teams that maybe they shouldn't be ahead of, actually. So uh, a good showing by them, and I think if they keep chugging along with these kind of finishes, they could end up doing quite well in the championship. Yeah, certainly that was their their stated goal, was to just score points in every race, and they just squeaked into it last weekend with uh, with one point after Maldonado's failure, um, and uh, we've got them one point. But so far they can, they can say that they've continued to score points in every race, which is just so key, especially for these mid-pack teams. Uh, between Force India, you know, Williams, Sauber, um, STR, just all these guys would just jostle around in the championship throughout the whole season where usually the top the top three teams will sort of establish uh, a kind of an order and usually stick right. to that. Maybe a couple of changes, but, you know, this mid-pack where sometimes you'll have two drivers in the point, sometimes none, and then, of course, sometimes in between. And then, But it, also for, like, 18 points for, for Perez um, is just a huge boost to them being, you know, right in that mid-pack and helps move them forward. So it's, you know, it's pretty cool how it's how it's you know, shaking down. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I think, I think Hulkenberg has been pretty impressive and I, I hope that, uh, that continues. Cause you know, he, it, you know, definitely, again, we talked about qualifying how in the mid pack, it was very, very tight in qualifying this time around, but in Hulkenberg's opening, uh, opening qualifying in Australia, he was ninth and, uh, he went on to, he went on to finish uh, very low in the because of his incident, but this time round he uh, ended up finishing the race ninth, and uh, you know Duresta was able to uh, finish uh, uh, finish seventh. So yeah, good points for them. Uh, we should an honorable mention for Caterham. Uh, they did not have massive steering failure this time, so both cars were able to finish the race. Yes, very which good. is a good step forward for them. But as we talked about at the very beginning, it's still. You know, at some point throughout the season, we have to stop saying it's too early to tell. But, you know, we, we still haven't had kind of a normal race, which there are 20 races in the season. So we're only 10% done with having having two done. There's still lots of racing, lots of laps to be covered at, at a bunch of different tracks. Um, but since the majority of it is going to be, uh, you know, dry weather and, you know, tire strategy and kind of the normal pace and, you know, good qualifying and leading into a good race. Of course, crazy things happened, as we saw today. But, uh you know, it's still we still have yet to really see how these guys will all shake out. You know, is Massa just had a couple of bad weekends in a row, but maybe he's actually still got something amazing. He's going to do some really good driving and some really good passes, and maybe win a race. Who knows? We'll see. We'll Probably see. Probably not. You know, but... <laughs> his the last time he was really out to win a race, he ended up having to give it to Alonso, and I don't think since that point we've ever seen him really do well. I mean, mm-hmm. that that might have just it's it's really hard to tell, but. Massa has an uphill struggle ahead of him, to be sure. And frankly, you know, it's not just because of the Defosi and all this kind of stuff. I, he hasn't impressed us either. I don't think he's impressed many people. Right. You know, his chief cheerleader, Rob Smedley, still seems to like him. But, I mean, there there are fewer and fewer people that are in that camp, I think. Right. And uh, so, you know, we'll see. And then the STRs, of course, look, looking very promising um, early on. But then, you know, the qualifying wasn't so good here. But the results to be uh, to be 8th and 12th is, you know mid-pack it's it's kind of is what it is um but yeah well as i mentioned though the since these these points of course do count um it is interesting that especially with the the beginning of the season being what it was that um 
you know, Fernando Alonso leads the Drivers' World Championship right now, um, and which is just the funniest thing. Uh, looking, you know, with 35 points, five points more than Hamilton. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's kind of wild with uh, the way things have all have all come together. So it's uh, right now it's Alonso, Hamilton, and then Button five points behind him. Um, Button with his win in Australia and then nothing and today. Nothing else, yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then Weber. Perez, Vettel, and then, you know, actually Raikkonen, only two points behind Sebastian Vettel. Reigning double world champion Sebastian Vettel is uh, only two points ahead of Kimi Raikkonen. So it's still a lot to shake out. Yeah, I mean, Raikkonen did very well today. So he qualified fifth, which we mentioned, but he had a five-grid spot penalty, making him having to start 10. I believe he had to change a gearbox or something like that. That's so right. He, he ended up starting the race 10th. He had the fastest lap of the race today and, um, you know, ended up finishing fifth. So very strong result for him. He, I guess, was correct when he said, no, there's not rust I need to shake off. I'll be up to speed. It's no set. Cars are the same, whatever. We have DRS, but we had front wing adjustments before. No big deal. So he does seem to be jumping in. He wasn't super amazing in rally, and he didn't do anything outstanding in uh, NASCAR. In the very few events he did, well, I mean, for NASCAR, he didn't have any time to really get up to speed. It was just mostly exhibition that he was there yeah rally had two years he just it just wasn't his thing uh i guess is the best way to say it so which he, he spoke to a little bit uh about having the, the difference in rally of course it's the cars and the tracks and so on but of not racing against other people competitors side by side of doing a time trial it's just a whole different mindset and i guess there's really something that gets kimi in the right zone and you know his competitive nature and stuff works when you can see who you're fighting against. I mean, some of this is tactical battles, of course, in Formula One, but that there is that, that on track, like I'm going to make this move to get in front of this guy. I'm going to see how, what he's doing. I'm going to change right. what I'm doing. I'm going to make this happen that you just don't get in a time trial where you're just out there on your own. Of course, you're trying to do the, do the best you can. And it's just like, you know, setting qualifying laps, for example, when it used to be the one lap flying quality or whatever. And the rally card, Guys do have split times and sector times to see if they're up or down on other competitors on the rally. I mean, they they do get that information out to people, but it's all data. None of it is visual. None of it is visceral. Yeah, they don't have a ghost car, at least you know. Let alone you know, <laughs> right, let alone right. if you can get in front of someone, then you're slowing him down. You're you're doubly. Not only am I in front of him, but now I'm affecting his race. It was this whole other mind game, and apparently that's a big part of what what works for him. Which of course you would have in NASCAR, but like you said, he never had enough time with the truck series and stuff that he did to really really get into the groove there and. And get that figured out, and it's you know a different setup with a lot of people with a lot more experience than uh, than he had you know coming into it from F1. Yeah. So either way, it seems like F1 is the best place for him in terms of the sport, and I'm I, I'm very happy to see him getting in speed. And I mean, this coincides with also a pretty we have to say pretty impressive Lotus. You know, it's it's shown well in both qualifiers, and it's when it's had the chance, it's shown fairly well in the race. They're currently, I believe, fifth in the constructors' championship. And, uh, yeah, fifth in the Constructors' Championship. But they might be the third fastest car. Maybe. I don't know. We don't know yet. Could be. Yeah, we're so far with Grosjean's I mean, uh, right now very they are bad the, performances. Right now they are the fifth fastest car. I mean, that's the best way to say it. Right? I mean, as, as, after two races, they are the fifth fastest when car. When it comes to points yes. and so on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm very happy to see that. Yes, our favorite absolute favorite part of the show it's listener feedback and the reason it's becoming even more favorite is because it's blowing up we are at uh what 1148 likes as i currently see on our facebook page that's huge we're like more likable than 
McDonald's or something, probably not, but we'll say yes. And that's fantastic. We're very happy about that. And um, the Facebook page, the new timeline setup, which, you know, Jim had complete control over and changed despite everyone's interest. Uh, I am the dictator of Facebook. That is true. <laughs> um, we're starting to get used to it, starting to see how it works. There are little advantages here and there. And uh, but it's been good. And uh, of course, all the usual suspects have been around. They've been very uh, active, which has been good. We've been seeing some new names, which is really exciting. And um, we're kind of getting our head ourselves just a little bit. But there is one uh, there is one little mention I want to make, and that's from James Payne, who said, do not get too excited about my current um, uh, current standings and predictions. Uh, We have our predictions page on Facebook. the reason why he's saying that is because he's scared. He sees the momentum shifting. He's seen his power slip away. Right. The pain train is run out of gas. Right. Or diesel fuel or electrons or something. Or steam if it's a steam train. Whatever it is. We don't, we don't is. really know the method we of don't know, propulsion. You know, pain's train specifically. But it's, it's interesting. We'll talk about uh, predictions in a minute. But the, as far as the, the feedback on that is with um, – you know, with with Button having a poor result and with yes. Vettel having a poor result, and both of those guys being reasonable picks for the win, uh, and then you know the highest place of sort of the normal guys you'd predict being Hamilton yes. with, uh, in in third spot. Um, you know, yeah, it did shake things up a little bit, and uh, we had a lot of comments to that effect. Um, also, a quick uh, shout out as thank you to uh, Lucy Popham for actually getting the predictions done before yes. prediction stud Neil Popham even had uh, had time to the watch the prediction race. stud at, I guess you could say. I guess you could say that. Uh, we had a lot of love for uh, Chaco Perez on the Facebook page. I'm not sure how much of it was serious and how much of it was uh, was making fun of him, but uh, <laughs> Sean Scanlon seems to be happy, uh, heading up the Chaco Perez fan club, and. Uh, that's 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 all we'll say about that. Uh, we did have a couple of comments directly on F1Show.com, which is another uh, great venue to be able to talk about this and maybe have your voice heard a little bit more. Um, and, uh, and you know, amongst all the uh, all that's going on on Facebook. Um, so Josh, first of all, has a has a concern with trying to play the podcast on his computer because he's running Ubuntu Linux. And I also connected over into my Ubuntu machine and uh, did not work for me there. So I don't think it's your fault, Josh. Um, but I'll I'll we'll work on that and try to get the player going working properly. But um, you can subscribe, and this this goes to anyone. Um, the quickest way to get our show is, is definitely going to be just to subscribe to it with a podcast player. And that could be iTunes, but it doesn't have to be iTunes. There's lots of programs on all kinds of different devices. I think from... one of one of our favorites, I think it was Podcast Pickle. Do you remember that one we found? Right. That, so there's directories <laughs> of podcasts, and that's Podcast Pickle was one of those. But there are many, you know, they're called podcatchers or just podcast clients. Yeah, sure. So you could certainly subscribe to this in Rhythmbox or Banshee or whatever your, your tool of choice, whatever you use to listen to music uh, and, and other podcasts. And because you don't have to wait for iTunes to update anything. Um, as soon as the podcast is available there, um, you refresh the feed or it refreshes automatically, and you'll get everything downloaded. But uh, to Josh or anyone else who's having trouble with playing this thing on our website, uh, you can always download the MP3 file right from there as well. Uh, but still, by far the best way, because you'll get this episode and all the future ones automatically and quickly, is to uh, is to just go ahead and subscribe. And the, the feed is actually really simple. It's just f1show.com slash podcast. Go ahead and put that into your, uh, to, you know, to your feed reader, and uh, it'll subscribe to our shows, and you'll be able to have them as soon as we post them online. And we do have a subscribe button right on F1Show.com, too, which kind of goes to that and bolsters all right. the things you just said. And a link to the podcast feed. So if you don't use iTunes, that is completely fine, and uh, we're, we're happy to have you as listeners anyway. And we can, uh, you can subscribe to us anything of your choice. Um, also, uh, CKW, our you know, longtime friend of the show now, um, 
it just uh, you know thanks us for the uh, for, for for the you know first podcast of the year. It says keep it going, and we, of course we will. Uh, hundred episodes, hundred eight episodes so far. Yeah. Uh, no no signs of stopping now. Um, and of course thanks us for the uh, the branded business cards and banner because he's sort of our F one show ambassador, especially around Europe where we don't have nearly as much of a presence as we have right. over here. Craig has worked so hard to make the F one show be known to all of Western Europe, and I. We we felt it was the least we could do to give him some, I guess, more appropriate tools to do the great work he's been doing thus far. Right. And so uh, as people may have seen on the Facebook page, we did send him a banner um, as ambassador of the show. He can use that as part of the, you know, having driver sign it and just kind of in, in the promotion that he does so well. Um, he says that will be at Monaco, Silverstone and Hungary this year, which is awesome. But which it, is awesome. Which is awesome. And if anyone else wants the banner for a race, you can contact Craig, and he will arrange delivery. So if you're going to a race, one of those that's not either Monaco, Silverstone, or Hungary, and you want to quite literally carry the flag or carry the banner right. for the F1 show, and have any, especially if you've got any kind of cool access or uh, you know any kind of uh, you know ins like that, then um, you can get in touch either on Facebook, uh, Craig Frequence there, or actually comment right on the show page, and uh, we'll make sure and connect everybody. And, and if you think that is also entirely inefficient, and you want a banner of yourself, that can also be arranged. Um, if you want to get in touch with feedback at F1 Show about that, and we can, uh, there's ways to do that because the, the banner uh, as a as a digital. Uh, as a digital entity now exists and it can be reproduced if people are interested in such a thing. And, uh, you know, obviously that it has uh, financial implications to it. But um, if you want a banner of your own, that is something we are happy to do as well, especially if you plan on going to races. Absolutely. Uh, and a couple things from Twitter real quick. Um, Siggy P on Twitter uh, wonders if Sky has approached us about, about the name. They, of course, have their show, The F1 Show. We are being the original and true, uh, you know, genuine F1 show. The creators, you could say. Um, yeah, we've, we've been doing this. And on the seventh day, we don't rest. <laughs> That's we when we rest. podcast, actually. <laughs> um, so, you know, no, they have not uh, They have not. Uh, approached us about the name um the only way we would sell the f1 show name would be if we you know if we were able to have a meeting on a yacht about it and that were our yacht with the money that you know (laughs) having spent money that we made from the sky sports deal um you know but uh, no we're you know our our people i think are still in talks with their people yes and by that i mean we have no contact with them whatsoever right but uh hey right on We're, we're the original f1 show and that's what matters it is what matters, yes, absolutely. But and, and, and all encompassing, the the feedback's been wonderful. If if you want to help make the feedback even stronger, the best way to do that is to email us, comment on the uh, f1show.com, uh, continue to the conversation on Facebook. But also, what's very very helpful for us is um, letting people on iTunes know that we're out there and that if you like us, say so. And if you don't like us, you can say that as well. But we're even happier if you like us. So um, those are the type of things uh, that really help get more listeners to come to us and then the listener feedback and this, the interaction just gets stronger and stronger. And that's, that's what we really love. So since you have found the original genuine F1 show, not only do we give you analysis of what has happened before the race weekend, we predict the future during the race weekend. We and and talk about you know how how people have interacted with us and so on. We indeed actually go for so far as to predict what will happen in the future. Yes, and every once in a while do so accurately. But to keep track of how good we are and how good you are and uh, and you know if we are any better than a simple spreadsheet at guessing what's going on. We come to the section of our show called predictions. So, 
Um, <laughs> well put. Yes, it is predictions time, and we do so out of love for you guys and out of our just uh, uh, innate, uncanny ability to tell you what's going to happen in one, two, three weeks' time, which is what we are here to do now. However, we first must discuss the past. And in the past, uh, you were as bold as uh, as a, I don't know, a kitten to predict uh, McLaren's to do well in Malaysia. You had Jensen Button on pole and Lewis Hamilton to win the race. That was wrong. It was silly. But you did get lucky uh, that other people had problems. And you did, in fact, win, sir. You had three points total. Yes! Compared to my 10. Score one for the good guys. Uh, and the stat model's 13 points. So the stat model not only has it not won yet so far this year, it's done the worst both rounds. Right. So last year, as if you recall, the statistical model made great headway because Sebastian Vettel was so bloody consistent yes. that he would be on pole position after pole after pole after pole and then winning races almost all the time. And when he wasn't, he was not far off. So right. we this, would make interesting predictions and try to go bold and have interesting, you know, uh, sort of, you know, the only way we can beat the stat model is to predict something different and have that come true. And that very rarely did. So the statistical model did a great job last year. But now this year, it's having a harder time. Yes. And... The statistical model is very simple. It says whoever's on pole last time is going to be on pole again. Whoever won the race last time is going to win the race again. So uh, the statistical model thought that Lewis Hamilton and Jensen Button were going to be on pole and win the race. Uh, Jensen Button had the problems that he had, um, giving the statistical model four, uh, 13 points uh, to deal with. Um, but it was correct about Lewis Hamilton being on pole for the second time. Um, and because of this, the statistical model already knows what it's going to predict, which is Lewis Hamilton on pole yet again. And this is where it gets interesting for Nando Alonso to win the race. Right, which is not necessarily a terribly safe uh, position to uh, to take. But, hey, that's why we might be actually better than a spreadsheet. Uh, maybe, as, just maybe. But, of course, uh, another part, pun, fun part of the predictions uh, whole equation is that uh, our Facebook fans can play along, and you can too, uh, by just going to facebook.com slash f1show, and uh, there's a predictions button right near the top of the page. So a big shout-out to our top ten predictors who dodged the bullets of guessing that Button would win again and dodged, you know, su- su- suggesting that Sebastian Vettel might do well and uh, <laughs> and and went on. And actually, you know, we still have a couple of people that only have two points. Uh, so maybe had predicted, um, you know, Hamilton, Hamilton for this race and then gotten last race perfect or whatever. But Reese Milford, Alex Morrell, James Hodge, David McCullough, Neil Popham, Laurie Jordan, Cliff Cattell, Fraser McDonald, Andrew Winter, and Stuart Mitchell are the top ten. And uh, well wow. done, well done, you guys. Our predi- pre- previous predictions champion, uh, James Payne, is is hurting for certain because I think he had uh, <laughs> he had some some button love, and that has has gone wrong for him. So he's uh, gained a bunch of points. Um, that said, uh, I am now in twelfth spot, and you're just behind me in seventeenth. Uh, uh, you only have a couple more points, but that's it's still a pretty tight battle. We've got a lot of people predicting this year. So oh, it's, it's been so fantastic. It's this fun. is going to be way more interesting than last year. Last year was great. But this year we've got a lot of people in it for the full season, and I think we got a few more people added. I think today's race shows that you, if you miss an event, once the whole season plays, excuse me, plays itself out, you can still make a lot of headway up. And when it comes to bragging rights, things like that, you can say, "Well, I was this place and I missed the first race." Blah blah blah. Right. So uh, very very keen and important. But no more time to waste, sir, Jim. China. 
How are you predicting? So it's the Chinese Grand Prix. Yes. It's three weeks from now. We've actually yes. got a little bit of a break. Um, but then only a week later, it goes to Bahrain. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hustling around again. You're stalling. I am trying to look up the list of what is going on right now, and I'm not looking at the right page for that. <laughs> so that is correct. You are stalling. Well, fine. I will predict first. Yes. Because I already know what I'm going to predict. Okay. What is that? Because I am amazing. Well, Sergio first... Perez will do it again. And <laughs> Sergio Perez is not on my prediction list. No. Uh-huh. But what I will tell you is that, uh, so we've gone to China since 2004 now, and uh, Lewis Hamilton is the only multiple, he's the only repeat winner in the entire, uh, in the entire history of the sport. Uh, everyone else that's won it has won it once. And McLaren is also tied for the constructor to win it the most times. And the McLaren is looking quite strong for, um, for the season. So I am going to predict Hamilton... Hamilton on pole and to win the race. Ooh, so yes. to, to come up with a clean sweep and finally convert a pole position into a victory. Now, you know that pit entry road for is tough for Hamilton. He has a hard time there. That is true, but I also know that he's, he's, managed, it, he's managed it successfully twice, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that he, and he, that he can do so for a third time. All righty, that's, uh, that's good. So that, that keeps it, I guess, uh, if you agree with the stat model about Hamilton being on pole position, um, yeah, I mean, we we it, so far with 100% pole record, uh, Hamilton is is pretty hard to bet against for pole, right? Right. Which by no means, you know, I I I very much doubt we're going to see a Vettel-like uh, qualifying performance from McLaren. But you never know. I mean, Lewis Hamilton has been scorching fast. I mean, if you'll remember Australia, he set his pole time early, and it was strong against everybody else. This time too. When he said his time, he said it on the earlier side. No one could match it. Yeah, it was thirty-six-two to buttons like thirty-six-four, pretty much. Man, yeah. As much as I want to do something different and interesting for pole position, I I really have to say I'm going to be on board with uh, with Hamilton for that. Fair enough. But I don't think he is going to convert. Oh no! Yet again, as much as I'm wearing the Hamilton shirt and everything. Yes. I, you know, I, I I you know we know I'm a Hamilton supporter, but you know that that pit entry, you know the pace of everyone else. <laughs> Sergio Perez is looking real good right now. Yeah, you know, he might, all right. I got it. Sergio uh, you know, Perez. I'm writing no, it down no, right no, now. No, 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 no. No, no? Um, Stalling. Yeah. Again. I'm look, It's not going to be Grosjean. No, that's, that's, I, a, that's a bad I deal. I even predicted first. I even gave you that out. Well, I was, so still looking for the right, I was still looking for the right page. This is sad, sad, No, this is, sad this is how good decisions get made. It's not just his off-the-cuff <laughs> stalling. nonsense. Yeah. Off the cuff. All right, fine. Uh, you, I think it's going to be your boy. Actually, I think I think Jay Butt is going to uh, really? going to make it happen now, again. Now you've been you've been doing a lot of this here, where you've been uh, you've been handling the McLaren boys and just moving them around. That's what I do. <laughs> Except the first time I said Vettel Vettel, so a lot of it meaning one out of two well, races. Well, the first time that was that was just weak sauce in a big way, dude. Get I don't there. know. I don't know what to tell you there. All right, so. What did I say? No, I should put it, punch it into predictions now. Well, while we are here, that's exactly what I'm doing. So we can be early predictors on top of you know we don't show up as amazing. early predictors because we're we're magical show hosts Duh. so we don't get to show up there. Duh. Uh, okay, so that said, uh, everyone else who uh, is listening to the show now who hasn't yet been an early predictor and visited the Facebook page, uh, please do so and just punch in who you think is going to be on pole, who you think is going to win the race, and you still definitely have a chance of moving around and being that they're in the leaderboard. Yes, um, I said what Hamilton for pole. Yes. Okay. Well, so we have. Something that we've talked about a little bit here and there uh, on a couple of previous shows. We talked about it in, in our pre-race 2012 shows, and I don't know if we mentioned it in Australia or not. But the 
tiny little side project that I was going to do over a couple hours in December has evolved into this 100-hour massive ridiculous my computer can't handle excel spreadsheet that in turn has blossomed into a new page on the f1 show if you go to f1show.com and you find stats or you can go to f1show.com slash stats we have produced our own unique um objective data about the um, about the uh, results of the races of 2012 thus far. It's broken down by team and then by driver. You have team statistics, you have driver statistics, and teammate comparisons um, all at your fingertips. All you got to do is go to f1show.com slash stats or just go to the homepage and look for the stats tab right on the top. And uh, we're very, uh, very excited about it. We've Jim and I are both, you know, both engineering, data-driven kind of guys in a lot of ways. Um, although you wouldn't tell all the time by the way I act. And uh, so we really got into the idea of, okay, well, objectively, how how good is one driver doing or another? And we'd have our mid-season driver kind of reviews, and we really would want some data to go um, to go up against the kind of opinions we had about the drivers. So it's kind of turned into this whole thing. So we really think it's a nice um, addition to kind of know statistically what's going on and so we wanted to share that with you guys. So f1show.com slash stats. Check it out. Let us know what you think. And uh, we hugely appreciate it. And we hope you guys find it interesting and helpful. Because it was a huge pain to put it together way more than I thought it would be. There's just so many little intricacies that Formula One you have to account for. Right. Uh, and there are lots of... Um you know, so far, there's only two, of course, two races that we've had so far. So this, it's only going to get better as more data comes in there. We'll see, you know, how the teammates are looking uh, compared to each other in terms of qualifying position, in terms of the, just the, the overall delta in their qualifying time. So even, the, you know, the back markers where they, they may be qualifying well off the pace, but it's how are they competing with their teammate and all that. There's a lot of little nuggets in there that are only going to get better as we uh, move throughout the season. So it should be a very cool thing to... Uh, you know, be able to refer back to and something that we use as part of our input for the show. And now we're giving you access to uh, all the same kind of same kind of knowledge that we are we are presenting to you in uh, in the show itself. Yes, absolutely. Now, don't forget the other things that are on F1Show.com is an opportunity to get Warner Motorsports T-shirts. Now, Warner Motorsports is the uh, culmination of everything that is amazing. I'm not trying to oversell it here, but basically it'll change your life. So my suggestion for you is to go to warnermotorsports.com to check out our stylish automotive and racing enthusiast apparel and accessories, including the race-proven, durable, sexy, hot-to-trot, and world-famous F1 Show t-shirt. Jim's got one. Don't you want to be like Jim? F1 Show stickers, too, all at warnermotorsports.com. Go there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got to say my pitch again. That's my favorite. And yeah, we got all the way through that that time. That was brilliant. So, <laughs> as we mentioned, we've got what? You're, you're a jerk sometimes. No, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. You want to do it again? No. Okay. We've got some Malaysian food to eat, man. Yeah, so we got to get going. Uh, we will be back in three weeks' time with coverage from the Chinese Grand Prix. Until then, definitely keep in touch with us on F1Show.com and all the other fun things you can find there. I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. You should probably go take your dog for a walk. <laughs>